All right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Colossians chapter 1. I've been going through a series on Baptist distinctives, and uh, we're in week three, and we're only on the first letter. We only got through the first letter, and uh, the first week, really, we, we talked about doctrine and how important it is and how we need to understand uh, the doctrines of the Bible. And, and in that, I do mean the major jo- doctrines. Uh, you could, of course, get carried away on every uh, minor uh, thing that, that is still in the Word of God, and that's not to belittle it or say it's not as important, but uh, there are some majors that we would uh, break fellowship on and that we would say we're not going to fellowship with other uh, churches that do not believe the same thing. And uh, so the doctrines, those are important. And then last week we talked about the biblical authority. And uh, I was going to have this put in the bulletin and I forgot. And I apologize about that. And so, Lord willing, next week we'll find it in the bulletin. Uh, but, but really, Baptist distinctives is an acrostic. It's not original with me. I did not come up with it by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but it is, it is fairly well thought out and, and put together. And if you take the word Baptist and you write it down the side of your page, uh, the very first B stands for biblical authority. Uh, and then A stands for autonomous church. P stands for the priesthood of the believer. And then T stands for two ordinances. I stands for individual soul liberty. And then S stands for saved, baptized church membership. And then T stands for two, two offices. And then S, separation from the world, uh, apostasy, and government. And, uh, and that's a good acrostic that helps us understand uh, why we are Baptist and what the, uh, what the difference is. And so we're working through those. And, uh, and I promise this morning that we'll get through more than just one letter. Uh, last week, uh, I did take a lot of time on the, the biblical authority because I believe that's so important that we understand that everything is based on this book. Uh, and that is critical to what we believe and how we function and how we operate uh, as Baptists because we believe and follow the book. By the way, I, I mentioned this last week. I don't know if I mentioned it uh, as succinctly, but I do know there are a lot of religions who claim to follow the Bible, but when push comes to shove, their traditions supersede what the Bible says. And, uh, and so we want to make it clear that the Bible is the authority, and that's what we ought to follow. And, uh, and so this morning, we're going to open your Bibles, if you would, to Colossians chapter 1, and uh, we're going we're gonna to go through these. And, and because I'm trying to get through several, uh, understand this, there are a lot of verses uh, that I could use to back up all of these. And, and we're not going to go through all of those verses. There's so many verses that we could go through uh, that we're not going to touch all of them. Uh, but, uh, but there are many more verses that we're not looking at. So Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 18, we'll just take one verse. And the Bible says, And He is the head of the body. That is talking about Jesus Christ. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your goodness to us. We thank You for Your Word, Father, that we can look into, that we can study from, that we can learn from. God, we can understand what we believe. 
based on your word. Father, I pray that you'd use me as we go through these. And Father, we look at the distinctives uh, that we believe come distinctly from your word. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you would give each and every person clarity of thought, clarity of heart to understand. And, and Father, we'll certainly thank you for that. And God, if there's one that does not know you, I pray that you would speak to their heart and show them their need for salvation. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we think about the autonomous church, the Bible says here that he, being Christ, is the head of the body, the church. And, uh, and the church, uh, every, almost every time that it's used in the New Testament, is a local assembly. Uh, and we need to understand that because uh, the concept is out there that while there's a greater church and the church consists of all of the people and all of the churches, but listen, a church, the word church in and of itself means an assembly. And this morning, look around the room, we're gathered, we are assembled. Let me just throw this out there, uh, just for reference sake, um, there, we have live stream and I praise the Lord for live stream. But I'm not trying to be unkind, but those that are on live stream are not assembled. They're listening, and I'm grateful that we can do that. And it's helpful to them, and I thank God for that. But they are not assembled here together with us this morning. And, and I just want to make that point and make that understood, because a lot of people, a lot of churches have gone to online church. Uh, listen, uh, there is, you might as well turn on the TV and watch a TV preacher. Um, I mean, there is no such thing as an online church. Uh, a church is the people that are assembled and gathered together. And when the New Testament is talking about church, uh, you go through the New Testament reference of church, uh, the church that is in Galatia, the church that is in Colossae, the church that is in, in, in Ephesus, and it goes through all of those churches. Those are assemblies that are gathered together. By the way, we're encouraged in the book of Hebrews, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. In other words, hey, we ought to gather together. It does my heart good to see people. I was here during the pandemic, and I would preach, and I would set up a camera right there in the middle of the auditorium, and, uh, and, and I would run down there, and I would hit record, and then I would run up here, and I'd preach. And I tell you what, there is nothing harder than preaching to an empty auditorium. I tell you what, you, 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 do, you stand up at some time at your house and you teach and nobody's around. Um, I mean, I, I probably would have been better off to bring my dog and cat in and at least set them in here and have somebody uh, that would interact with me. But I mean, there was nothing. And, uh, and, and it was tough. And so I am grateful to see people that are assembled this morning together. It does your heart good to see people that are assembled together. Hey, listen, we live and work in a world that is, is, is ungodly. They don't care about God. The people that you work with all week by and large, they're not godly people. And so for you to come together on a Sunday morning and get together with other Christians, it ought to be an encouragement. And know, hey, those people also work in the world. Those people also have, have to dealt with uh, people that are unsaved all week long. And it's an encouragement to one another to see you in the house of God. And that has absolutely nothing to do with the autonomy of the local church, but it is an assembly. And we're gathered together. 
And the word autonomous means, means to, uh, I have it down here somewhere, uh, means self-governing is what it means. And, and listen, uh, as a church, we are a self governing church. You see that throughout the New Testament uh, that, that uh, Paul told, uh, told Titus, hey, uh, set in order the things that are in the church there in Crete and, and appoint elders in that church so that they could uh, set in order those things. And so each church is to set in order their own things. Uh, I find it very interesting that a lot of people, uh, they, they want a non-denominational church. Can I tell you what the word denomination means? Denomination means a larger group of religious congregations united under a common faith and name and organized under a, here's where we disagree, under a single administrative and legal hierarchy. We don't have that because we are a Baptist church. We are autonomous. Every church would govern itself. We don't have a legal hierarchy that is over us. Uh, we don't have some, uh, some uh, group of people that would dictate to us what we should believe and what we should not believe. We are an autonomous church. When I went to the mission field, my goal and prayer and desire was to start a local New Testament autonomous Baptist church that would govern itself and would not need a hierarchy over top of it to dictate what they believe and how they are to act. They're autonomous. They run on their own. And, uh, and listen, we believe that is biblical. You can find all the cases of the use of the word uh, uh, by a church throughout the Bible. And, uh, and they were autonomous churches. I, find it, I started saying this earlier. I find it funny when people say that they left the Baptist church because they wanted to join a non-denominational church. And, uh, and, and I'll just give you one example. There's many out there. Uh, but uh, I had friends of mine and, and uh, they were Calvary Chapel and, and they said, we want to we wanna start a church. And they found out they can't start a Calvary Chapel church unless they, unless they get permission from Calvary Chapel denomination that is over top of them. And, uh, and people find out real quick, oh, that is a denomination, even though they didn't know it was a denomination. Hey, listen, Baptists are truly non-denominational. We don't have a hierarchy or an organization that is over us. Uh, many churches have that hierarchy and that organization. By the way, I have to say this, that we're independent Baptists because there is a Southern Baptist Convention. We are not part of that. Um, they do kind of control the properties and some of the things that go on in the, the Southern Baptist churches. There's an American Baptist Association. We are not part of that association. We are an autonomous, independent Baptist church. And that sets us apart from many other uh, religions and organizations. And by the way, we find that Christ is to be the head of every one of those churches. That's what the Bible says. That's what it says right there in Colossians, that Christ is the head. And the, and the pastor would be the under-shepherd. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, but we, see it, we can see it very clearly throughout Scripture. There is verse after verse. We won't take the time to turn to all of them. Uh, but understand that we are an autonomous, self-governing church. And that makes us different 
uh, than many of the religions and many of the organizations that are out there. And, uh, and I'll spare you all the details uh, that I have written down, but let's go on to the next one. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter number 2. I want you to see this. So we see A is the autonomous church, but I want you to notice the priesthood of the believer in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 5. And I love this verse. This is a great verse. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 5, it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Boy, that's a great verse. If you're saved and you're born again, praise the Lord that, that Jesus Christ is our mediator. Do you know what a mediator is? I explain this to people in this way. That uh, Well, let me use a different illustration because in the Bible, we'll use a Bible definition or a Bible illustration. In the Old Testament, uh, the priests were set up. God set them up. And they were uh, really the intercessor between God and man. That's how God had established it. He set it up, and man would go to the priest, and they would, uh, not the priest like what we have today, they were to bring an offering, and the priest would know the, the, uh, what they were to bring for the sin offering, and for this and for that, and they were to intercede and, and offer that sacrifice on their behalf to God. And he, would, he was the go-between. You didn't just go out and offer sacrifices on your own. Uh, you, had, you went to the priest, the, uh, the Levitical priesthood that God had established and ordained. And that's how you would uh, establish a relationship with God. Go to Hebrews chapter number 3, and I want you to see this. Just after the book of Timothy, you'll find all the T's, Timothy, Thessalonians, Titus. And then you'll find Hebrews chapter number 3. Hebrews is a great book. It brings the Old Testament illustrations and applies them to the New Testament principles and teaches us uh, what they meant. So in Hebrews chapter number 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says this, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. And the Bible calls out Jesus Christ as our high priest. You understand when Jesus Christ came to the earth and he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross of Calvary and he rose again three days later, uh, that listen, he became our high priest. There was no longer a need for you and I to take a little baby lamb and go find a priest that could offer a sacrifice for our sins. No, Jesus Christ was that perfect sacrifice, is that perfect sacrifice. And listen, He is our high priest. We no longer have to go to any man uh, to get to God. We go directly to the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is our mediator between God and men. That's what that verse is saying in Second Tim and First Timothy chapter two and verse number five. That there is one mediator between God and men. Now you think about the many religions, and you think about the mediators that they set up 
to be between God and man. Hey, listen, we don't have to go to any man and confess our sins. We don't pray to Mary. We don't pray to an idol. We don't, we don't go to any other uh, religion. Hey, listen, it is strictly between you and God. I cannot, I cannot be saved for you. I cannot dictate your salvation or say you're not dignified of salvation and therefore pull it away. I can't do any of that because I'm a man just like you are. And listen, we all have a, a right to go straight to God through Jesus Christ. Boy, that ought to encourage you. Hey, we don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through a religion. We don't have to go through uh, somebody else. We can go through Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, we're in Hebrews. Go with me to chapter 4 and, uh, and look with me over there in verse number, uh, verse number 14. I love this passage. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 14. The Bible says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let me just stop there for a moment and say this, that listen, Jesus Christ can understand your feelings and the situations that you're going through that I probably cannot. Why? Well, number one, because He's God. But two, hey, listen, the Bible says He was tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. Jesus was absolutely sinless, but He faced temptation. And He knows the struggles and trials that you go through. He knows what it's like to be wronged by people. He knows what it's like to be tempted uh, when, when, when He's out and about. He knows what it's like to live on this earth and face hunger and face pain and face persecution and face tiredness and face all of the obstacles that you and I would face. But the Bible says He's without sin. Hey, it's nice to know that we have somebody that we can go to who understands where we're at in our life. There's some people that you don't want to go to for help. They're not very sympathetic. There's some people you'll tell them uh, that, that your problem, they'll be like, well, suck it up, buttercup. You know, just keep going. You know, I mean, those aren't the kind of guys that you want to visit for sympathy. Hey, listen, Jesus Christ, he understands everything that we go through. And he extend go on, the, the Bible doesn't stop there, it gets better. He says in verse number 16, he says, let us therefore, what's that therefore, therefore? It's therefore because Jesus Christ understands everything that we go through. He says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may be obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hey, listen, you can go to a lot of people and try and get help, and maybe they can't help you. You might come to me and, and say, listen, Pastor, I'm, I, I'm trying to do this thing, and, and I might have no idea how to help you or what to tell you. But listen, we can always go to God, and He can always help us. 
He can always give us grace. He can always give us the help. He can always give us the, the mercy that we need. And, and listen, He invites us. Praise the Lord. Do you understand what a privilege it is as a Christian to have open access to the very throne of heaven every, every day? 24-7, 365. 24 hours a day. Seven days a week. He's never closed. His office is always open. It, it doesn't matter if it's a holiday. It doesn't matter of fact, he'd like to hear from you on a holiday. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what language you speak. That's the kind of God we have. Could, he just is open and asking you to come to him. Hey, listen, we don't need a religious system to get to God. You understand there are a lot of religions and systems that if you don't go through them, you don't get to God. What I'm telling you is you don't need a religious system to get to God. You need a relationship with God Himself. And it comes through Jesus Christ. We have the priesthood of the believer that every person can go directly to God and communicate. On Wednesday nights, we have prayer meeting. And we take prayer requests. And listen, we have prayer cards in the, in the pew pocket. You can fill that out. Listen, I'll be happy to pray for you. But you understand, you also can take that same prayer request and go direct. You don't need me. I'm happy to pray for it. I'm, hey, the more people that pray for stuff, the better. I mean, I'm not against that by any stretch of the imagination. But understand, you can take your prayer request directly to the throne of God and talk with Him. That's the priesthood of the believer that we believe that every saved individual has direct access to God. That's a biblical concept. What a blessing that we have that. We have the autonomous church. We have the priesthood of the believer. We have two ordinances that we believe in. And I know I'm kind of rushing through these, but, uh, but we have two ordinances. An ordinance is a rule established by authority. Go with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. And there's again so many verses that we could look at and, and pull from. But Matthew chapter 28, I... I guess because I was a missionary for so long, I just love these, this passage. Matthew 28 and verse number 18. And the Bible says, And Jesus, Matthew chapter 28, I'll give you a couple seconds there, I hear pages rattling. Matthew 28 and verse number 18, Jesus is addressing His disciples in this passage. And the Bible says there in Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You understand that God, uh, that Jesus was God in the flesh. He was God incarnate. And He was 100% God, and He was 100% human at the same time. And listen, He carried with Him all the authority of God. That's what he's saying there in verse number 18. Verse number 19, he says, Go ye, therefore... And again, that therefore is because God has the power and the authority to send us. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with with you always, even unto the end of the world. 
You know, there's one thing uh, that I think sets the Baptists apart many times from many other things, and one is that one of those ordinances being baptism. Um, listen, you know why we carry the name Baptist? Because it was kind of a mocking name historically. It's because, oh, those guys rebaptized people. And they, they kind of came up with the name Baptist. They're always baptizing people. Uh, listen, God gave us the ordinance that we are to baptize. Now, let. Boy, I, I could spend an entire message on just baptism. Uh, Jesus commissioned the church uh, to evangelize the lost, and after salvation, they are to be baptized. Listen, salvation must come before baptism. Baptism doesn't have anything to do with, with you being saved. It doesn't save you. I'll say it that way. It doesn't, uh, it's not part of your salvation. I've said it many times, the baptismal waters do not wash your sins away. That's Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. His blood washes our sins away. Not baptism, uh, but we do believe that baptism is important. Some churches believe in baptismal regeneration. In other words, that uh, you can get saved, but if you don't get baptized, then you're, you're not really saved, and that, that baptism is part of your salvation. And they believe that. We don't believe that. Baptism is... Uh, so salvation must come before baptism. Baptism is done by the authority of the local New Testament church. It is an ordinance. It's given to the local New Testament church of, of body of believers that have bound together. And they administer that baptism. Uh, and so we find that uh, throughout Scripture. And uh, listen, if you're baptized by immersion, but, the, but, but by the authority of a local church that doesn't hold the same doctrine, then yes, we rebaptize people. Why do we do that? Because it's administered by the authority of the church. And, and we want you to understand the baptism uh, and the doctrine that we believe. And baptism is done by immersion. Um, I'm always amazed that, uh, that, that people, I've had people over the years come to me and they tell me, we know that we were, we were baptized by sprinkling. But we know just by reading the Bible that it's by immersion. And, and they, they come to me and they tell me that. And, and I say, well, you know, that is biblical. That's what the Bible says. Uh, I've never seen somebody that's been buried by sprinkling a little bit of dirt on top of them. When they're buried, bless God, you put a lot of dirt on top of them. You want them completely buried, out of sight. And listen, that baptism, uh, it does symbolize the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the idea of it. And it identifies you with Jesus Christ. And so we find that the uh, baptism is one of the two ordinances. And I could spend a lot of time, and I've preached about it in the past, and I, I'm sure I will in the future, but baptism uh, is an important thing. Many churches have a lot of uh, different beliefs. I'll remember in Peru, uh, I, I was totally amazed. I'd never run into this before. Sad, sad story. A, a young lady uh, came to our church, and, and she had a, a little two-year, she had several children, but she had a little two-year-old, and this two-year-old fell off the roof of their house and died. And, uh, and of course, they were kind of a split home and uh, part Catholic, and, and of course, she had been saved in our Bible study, and, and, and so we, of course, had uh, a lot of influence with them, and, 
and, uh, and so we went to their, their house and, and we were visiting with them and grieving with them and just trying to help her through this situation. And, and, uh, and, and she told me this. Uh, actually, she told Pastor Freddie this and Pastor Freddie told me this. He said, he said, the Catholic priest came and baptized that young baby after he was dead. I thought, why? I had never heard of that before. And I'm just telling you that there's a lot of baptisms that separate us from, by the way, we don't baptize babies. You don't find babies being baptized in the New Testament because babies cannot, um, babies that don't have a full a comprehension of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ cannot put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So therefore they cannot be baptized because baptism always takes place after salvation. We find that in the Bible. So uh, I could go a lot of places on all of that, but, uh, but baptism is one of the ordinances. Um, go with me to 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I know we're covering a lot of ground, but I believe it's important. The second ordinance is the Lord's Supper, and it's covered there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. And I have to say this as well, the Lord's Supper does not save you. There are many people who believe that taking the Lord's Supper, you're ingesting and it converts to the very body of Christ. And when you drink the, the grape juice, it converts to the very blood of Christ. And, uh, and the Bible does not teach that. Uh, it is a symbol, and we find that here. Uh, look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 23. Paul is giving instruction to the local church there at Corinth. And he says this, he says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26 For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. The whole idea of it was never intended for salvation, but rather a remembrance. You see that word shows up several times for us in the New Testament. We are looking back to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're specifically looking at the sacrifice that He made on the cross of Calvary when His body was broken, when His blood was shed so that you and I can be saved. And, and it's a very somber uh, picture and remembrance for us looking back and realizing there was a great sacrifice made for you and I. But it doesn't save us. It's a remembrance of that. It is an ordinance that God put forth. And so many churches would be very different uh, on those two ordinances. They would believe differently. They would follow differently. Uh, but we believe that's what the Bible teaches. And, and I want to get to this. Um, I have two more. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to get to this one. Uh, I, the individual soul liberty. Go with me to Romans chapter 14 and verse number 12. And again, I know we're covering a lot of Scripture 
Romans chapter number 14 and verse number 12. The Bible says in verse number 12, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. We believe in individual soul liberty, just like we believe in the priesthood of the believer that you can go directly to God, and you should, and we encourage you to do so. We encourage you to read your Bible and walk with the Lord. Uh, but also, listen, uh, we have that individual soul liberty, and that would be that we are individually responsible to God. Hey, listen, God's given us His Word. He has given us a lot written down in His Word. And listen, uh, we preach, we exhort, we encourage, we want people to live right, we want people to do right, we want you to have a, a, the best relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that you can possibly have. But, but, but we don't dictate, hey, you do this and you do this and you don't do this. We, we take principles from the Word of God and we say, this is what God would have you to do. And in the end, hey, listen, you're responsible to God. You're responsible to, to say, God, I want to live right and I want to follow you and I want to obey you. It is an individual responsibility to God. Hey, listen, if we have an individual responsibility to God, then we have an individual responsibility to the Word of God. We try and encourage you to read your Bible through in, in one year. Is there, is there check marks in heaven for reading your Bible through in one year? No, I, I don't think there is. But I tell you what, it will help you put you on a track to stay in tune with God throughout the entire year. There's nothing wrong with having a goal and shooting for that. And, and listen, you might not make it. Hey, you just keep plugging away. You keep working at it. Go to the end. Read all the way through. I encourage people. You fin if you started in January, maybe you started late and you started in March and, and you're not going to finish uh, in March or in January when you started. Hey, I'd say just keep going and keep working at it. Get all the way through. And, and come January when we put the little things out, grab one so that you have it so that when you do finish, you can start again and you can continue going through it. I, I say, hey, we've got a responsibility to read the Word of God. You understand there are a lot of churches in the past, we talked about this on the biblical authority, they did not want you to read the Word of God. They did not encourage. Matter of fact, it was prohibited to put the Word of God in the common language by the Catholic Church for many years. And so I'm just saying you have a responsibility to the Word of God. You have a responsibility to the Holy Spirit. You know, God gave each and every one of us the Holy Spirit and He indwells us at the day we get saved. You get saved and the Holy Spirit moves in. And listen, He convicts us of sin. He shows us what we need to do. You open your Bible and you read it and you say, God, speak to me. Man, I, I was reading my Bible this morning and, and I tell you what, what a blessing. Lord just shows you stuff, and, and you're like, man, that's encouraging. Um, that's a blessing to read that. What, why is that? The Holy Spirit lives within you, and He communes, and He'll show you things uh, out of the Word of God and, and things that maybe you need to get right or things that you need to change or things that are an encouragement and a help to you in your life. And I'm just saying that we have individual soul liberty. That's a responsibility before God. I have one more. No, I don't. That's it. 
Praise the Lord. I thought I flipped my page and I thought there was more. Hey, listen, we have a responsibility before God. There's, there's a lot of stuff, autonomous church. We are a self-governing. We don't belong to an association that dictates how, how we run and what we believe. That's the same reason, by the way, we don't go into other churches and tell them what they should believe and how they should run. That's their church. That's their job. That's not my job. And, and so uh, we're autonomous. Uh, we believe in the, uh, the priesthood of the believer, that we are answerable directly to God. We believe in the two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper, and those are things that the Lord directly gave uh, to the church to perform and to do. And then we believe in the individual soul liberty, hey, that we're responsible before God. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, well, boy, that was a lot of information. I don't know about all of that. Listen, my question for you is this, is Jesus Christ your high praise? In other words, is He the only one that is your intercessor for sin? Is He the one that you are trusting in for salvation? Listen, if you're trusting in a church, it, I'll say this, if you're trusting an Anchor Baptist Church for your salvation, you're in trouble. Anchor Baptist Church cannot save you. Jesus Christ can. Shane Rice cannot save you. Jesus Christ, He can. Hey, listen, your faith ought not be in any institution, but only and solely in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, Father but by me. He's the only one that can save us. And so if you've never done that, be saved today. Trust Jesus because he wants to save you. And he wants you to be saved. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the beliefs that set us apart. God, we're not trying to be arrogant or prideful about it. And we're, we're just merely showing God, that we believe that we're following the Bible. God, that you established an autonomous church and churches that would locally assemble and be self-governing. We believe in the, in the priesthood of the believer, Father, that God, you are the high priest. We're certainly grateful for that, that we can come to you directly and commune directly with you. God, we believe these things that are written in the Word of God. I pray, Father, that you would speak to hearts as only you can. And Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short hymn of invitation, maybe God's spoken to your heart. The altar is open. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, well, I'm, I, I've not been saved or I'm not born again, but I, I'd like to be. Hey, listen, you can by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and asking Him to save you. He'll do that. Hey, what a relief to know it's not some religious system holding the reins to your salvation. It's Jesus Christ. He wants to save you. He wants to be your Savior.
the piano plays, the altar is open. Individual responsibility, Christian. Are we walking with the Lord? Are we reading His Word? Are we sensitive to the Holy Spirit in our life? Individual responsibility. Two ordinances. Maybe you've never been baptized. Maybe you've been saved, but you've not been baptized, and you need to be baptized. Hey, let us know. We'll, we'll set a time for you to be baptized. Whatever the need.